0: This week on Mobile First, a conversation with Mike McGuire, VP of Research at Gardner for Marketing Leaders.
1: Now think about, okay, you're getting some traffic. What is your unique mobile value proposition? Because just making an app for something people buy a couple times a year, or maybe even just a couple times in their life, you know, getting and expecting a consumer to download that for an, an app for every kind of transaction they have may not be the best place to start.
0: Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. Now, in this episode, we explore how to follow your data as a brand to create a mobile-first strategy with our guest, Mike McGuire. We'll hear about his experience utilizing user data, to establish a more meaningful connection to a user with a closer look at how context, community, location, and time are changing the relationship between consumers and brands. Now, Mike is the Vice President of Research at Gartner for Marketing Leaders, which specializes in mobile marketing. So I'm really excited to have uh, Mike join us today and to talk about the data side and what's happening on the marketing side as far as trends. As we all know, Gartner is one of the top facilities in uh, researching and pulling this information. So really excited to get it from his perspective. Uh, so Mike, as VP of Research at Gartner, uh, what are your main focuses and how about you dig into uh, your perspective a little bit there?
1: I'm in, responsible for the, the mobile marketing agenda that is part of the Gartner for Marketing Leaders uh, research offering. You know, Gartner is well known for IT research, but our research is dedicated and focused on the the marketing team and the marketing organization. And I have that that specialty within that of of mobile marketing. And kind of the, the focus of what I do is having the breadth and depth, the breadth of kind of what's what are the tools, what are the techniques that are important to mobile marketing, but also uh, a focus on helping customers who probably got some mobile marketing techniques they're doing, but looking to help them mature those and find ways to move those forward, not just because a lot of consumers, you know, have smartphones right? And, you know, basically have them almost surgically attached to them. But helping them understand that the details underneath that, the nuance, over time, what I'm hoping we do is we move them, we can, we help them move forward with the, with our research to not just do mobile because it's cool. and A lot of people use it, but because it can be a more efficient and better way of engaging with consumers.
0: Yeah. So I definitely want to peel back those layers uh, with you because, you know, in specializing in mobile marketing, uh, you help digital marketers with, how context, community, location, and time, um, you know, combined with consumer purchase history and, and the, really the intent with that history, how these things are changing the relationship between the consumer and the brands. So kind of unpacking these four areas, uh, can you maybe define each of these four and, and maybe talk about an example with each of them so we kind of have a little bit of understanding there?
1: Sure. And I think, you know, I'll start with context because I think see, you've probably seen this in your work. We now have with these devices, and to some degree with obviously with desktops, but it was a static representation of the consumer right there in front of a desktop at this place. Context now, and we would as marketers have to do a lot of expensive surveys and focus groups and frankly educated guesswork to understand the context of a user. It kind of typically was stopped at demographic information, right? Right. White male college educated lives in the Bay Area and X. and from what we can see when we check you know and do how we see lives in this kind of a house and so we have to we have a sketch right with smartphones in particular and wireless networks and and mobile technology we can now start to make it more fine-grained distinctions about context right i can start to see that the phone is used throughout the day heavy use from this time in the morning to this time at night and it seems to be monday through friday That is a contextual cue. This is probably Mike is at work. On the weekends, I'm still seeing that Mike has his smartphone with him, but I'm not seeing the density of calls and emails and things like that. Okay, now we know this is Mike probably not at work. Those are simple things. Now we start taking the sensor capabilities that starts to inform us of what? And the, the other information we can pull together based on location information to say, Mike's in the Bay Area, it's foggy and cloudy you know is that meaning it's probably cold and wet maybe this is a time to hit mark with something about you know pete's coffee because he likes pete's coffee or perhaps it's a reminder or an offer that says hey mike you need a windbreaker or a rain jacket you know you know rei has these on sale those are perhaps simplest ways i can get a context i can take the information i know about mike where he is based on his location and then I can bring in the temporal information, right, or the information that's around Mike. What's the weather like? Time of day, week. You know, what, where are, where is he physically? But also, you know, what can we know about Mike and make some estimates on that? That that we can better refine the picture of the kind of offer to make based on these extra contextual cues that we have location i think is relatively obvious i can now know at a point in time if mike has given me permission to know this and i i can track him cuz he's allowed me to through his phone or his app mm-hmm. those are relatively obvious you know i can say x and y so you know we see this with some of the driving apps hey mike this is a real app you know this is a really important cool app that i'm using and it's important to me why cuz it can tell me if i'm going to get from the water where i've been out stand up paddling back home right and with other contextual cues, we can say, "Hey, Mike, there's also a Pete's coffee on the way."
0: That provides really good insight into that user experience, and then how we can leverage that data to create something very unique that can set that brand apart and really connect to the consumer at a different level. And with that, though, to create that experience, right, it takes a lot of technology to enable something like that. And I think for you know a lot of brands, uh, just to make that transition, can cause a lot of tech debt you know, it could be a a larger investment to mobile. And where do we start with that? And so you mentioned in one of your blog posts, uh, mobile drives, Google to split the search index, which is a great read, which I will link to in my show notes for everyone to check out. Um, That There's this massive shift taking place to mobile. And that maybe there's, there's more of a shift than brands realize. And I mean, just looking at Google, the largest search engine in the world as the example, doing this to their algorithm. So knowing that there's this massive push towards mobile and as you described, you know, these components that lead to this this relationship, you know, where where does a brand start? In your research, do you have maybe some examples of of how you can begin to pull in this contextual data and and start to use it for a return to justify this investment?
1: Yeah, I think there's a we can do a couple ways, but I want to back up one second there. I think what this is where I think brands have to be careful. We've seen them in the past, right? see the shift to mobile with consumers and say something to them, or decide internally, is like, okay, we need an app. Well, you sell a product that somebody buys twice a year and you're on content out. Why, why would you need to go through the expense of an app? You know, so maybe we start with things like one of the key pieces of advice we get to take advantage, to get started is, I know this is going to sound hackneyed and silly, but First of all, not just seeing, looking externally and seeing, oh, a lot of consumer smartphones. Consumers are using these things all the time. Rather, what's your own data set? What's your own data source is telling you? Are you seeing a corresponding increase in people trying to hit your website through a mobile device? And then once you see something, you know, on a, you know, significant, something over 30, 40 percent, you start to have to think about what we try to get them to think about is now think about okay, you're getting some traffic. What is your unique mobile value proposition? Because just making an app for something people buy a couple times a year, or maybe even just a couple times in their life, you know, get in expecting a consumer to download that for an, an app for every kind of transaction they have may not be the best place to start. We may end up there with an app, but understanding, first of all, seeing the external reality, oh, Data point, a lot of consumers using smartphones. Next one is, let's look at our own stuff to say, how are, are people trying to engage with us? And instead of just then deciding, okay, app, what we say is, let's start to think about what, again, is your mobile value proposition? You know, a bank can just go make an app that does everything. What do they find out over time? People check it three or four times a month. They check their balance. Maybe they're starting to do payments through it. So, but did you need everything else you put in there, videos about how you can enable home loans and things like that? And if you just pack that in for the first time, people are going to wonder where they start. Let's talk about what's the initial, what's our initial mobile value prop? What do we do in the short term with mobile? Then based on that and the information we get, if we're using good analytics and paying attention to them, we start to build a roadmap of how we can evolve our mobile proposition. And so I, I argue that we, you know, those are the first steps is really understanding not just that there are a lot of people using them and that some of them are trying to engage with you. How? What are they doing? Are they looking for catalogs? Are they looking for phone numbers so they can call and get service on their phone? Or are they just curious? I mean, that's, that's a silly example. But My point being, we need to look and see, see external. Now look at how people are trying to engage with us, but then stop and say, what is it we can do better through mobile engagement? because if we're just going to do it a different way through mobile that's probably not going to work right so we have to think about what it is what is it what are the things that we can deliver convenience and a better experience through mobile instead of just trying to pack everything in to that device or that user's device and how they that that they use to engage with us
0: gotcha okay so that you, so you look deeper into the comp- into Um, the use case of it, look into the data and let that kind of drive the initial decision. Do you find that the company typically has the analytics in place to be able to make these decisions? Or does it often take fine tuning how to look at the mobile data on the current properties to inform the next property?
1: Very much that. I mean, in the sense that a lot of people will use, you know, the great stuff that, you know, Adobe and Google provide for free in terms of analytics. Mm -hmm. That's great. And they have you know, mobile lenses, they apply to that. But I think one of the challenges people have faced is they sometimes still are looking at their kind of desktop oriented analytics, right? It's one thing to see that, you know, use basic web stuff to see that 30 or 40% of your traffic's coming from smartphones or tablets. You need that a little more granular information, That should, which it, let me back up. That data set, hugely important to helping us define, make that initial decision, right? Do we need to go full boat into mobile? Or if we have something less than 30%, if we got like 5 or 10% of our users hitting us from mobile devices, you got to stop and think, do we really need to do that? Maybe the first step is something like a mobile adapted website or a responsive design website. And that gives us the baseline. But I think that is the, you know, the, the challenge is sometimes folks will, you can use that, the, the high-level stuff to get started, and it's an important framing device, to, you know, approach to frame the the issue. How many people are trying to engage with them? But to really get into behavior, really understanding things, to get context and things like that, and like, you know, a given customer or a customer segment's preferences start to need a little bit more detail. That makes sense.
0: And so you've you thrown on a couple of numbers here for these different thresholds of of when you should start to, to take a serious look at, at a strategy. And so you said, um, you know, 30 to 40%.
1: That was, that's kind of an you know, anecdotal approach. I'd say besides that, that given percentage, even if it's 20%, let's say, the key is time, right? If that was something that's been building for the last five years, hmm, okay, we could argue that's kind of a natural kind of curve that X number of people are, are using these devices. It's when we see it go from 5 to 20 in a year or less or some shorter time frame, we start to see a spike. That's when we have to start paying more attention and then starting to, you know, arm ourselves with more and better analytics so we can really get into understanding how best to address that, that spike and that, that interest that we're seeing or that usage of mobile devices that we're seeing.
0: Gotcha. So what about in the cases where we see this, this big spike and there's an opportunity with this uh, unique mobile engagement and it's a company that's maybe missed the boat with mobile first being like a web property of theirs? Do you think that they should start with the web property and, and make that more mobile first and mobile responsive and mobile friendly or take advantage of that spike and maybe invest more so into the mobile engagement, uh, more so like a native hybrid engagement?
1: Uh, I would always, it probably just tends to be my generally conservative nature in these things. And, and I would argue now that seeing, starting to see that spike, if you aren't at least mobile friendly, you need to get mobile friendly, whether that's, you know, .m, which is not perfect, but or getting to responsive. But I think, you know, it's also people got to keep in mind, seeing that number and understanding that you can create a unique mobile value prop is very important to start with the website and maybe go to responsive. But responsive, you know, redoing it, you know, doing going to responsive design is not, you know, as easy as flicking a switch, as you well know, you know, then it's a decision of do we do the whole website or just a couple of pages, we get that kind of making those decisions when we start to need more analytics. In the end, however, at this point in time, I will say, if you are not mobile friendly, you're probably yelling at your search team right now, aren't you, right? Because they made, Google made that switch, Bing's made that switch, you know, in terms of, you know, but Google in particular, right, with if everybody probably remembers mobile getting, you know, and I think that was the kind of the, the ultimate final signal right? it's like guys if you haven't done this now if you haven't noticed people using mobile devices this should tell you something now and we would argue now that's it's kind of table stakes right because the site is still right a company or brands face to the world and you have to be discoverable that's just that's not arguable anymore you've seen this right we've all seen those numbers right that last year fame that big threshold got crossed when google said more, stuff, more searches on mobile than desktop, and it appears, it appears to be permanent. And so with that alone is to say, you know, would say if you want to be discoverable and have people stick when they come to your website, because they come to your website and have to do a lot of pinching and zooming, unless you're the only game in town for that product or service, they're probably going to go somewhere else. So I would say we would argue those are, that a mobile-friendly site or mobile-optimized site is table stakes.
0: Yeah, and the question is more so like because it's table stakes, right? And going to a mobile responsive site isn't that flip of the switch, like you mentioned. You know, the investment, the next big investment should be in making something mobile responsive as opposed to maybe going to like a native app or something, whether you see
1: a spike in an advantage. You can see that spike. And yeah, I think it is, you know, table stakes to go responsive. Going to the app, you know, is, as I said, I think requires. You know, unless we're, we're talking about very basic, you know, some of the digital transactions, for example, what I would call access, buying tickets. Can you imagine ever getting a paper ticket for a concert or a show or a game anymore? Right. Yeah. No now, way. you and I can't because we're real close to this. There's still a lot of people who do that because it's pretty convenient to print it out on a piece of paper. And go, oh, there you go. That is a behavior that I think changes is changing fairly rapidly. But those digital things, like, I can pay for t- I can get a ticket, I can have that on my phone. That can be, or you've decided you're a ride-sharing company, right? Uh, you want to get into that game. Those would appear are those kind of mobile-centric, where the mobile device, the mobile access, is the engagement point. If that's your company, great, but if you're a retailer with physical space, If you're, even if you're an airline, you know, those folks have went to the native app because that was a very good, clear way to to add value to the traveler, right? I can have my boarding pass. I can get all the information about my flight, et cetera. Terrific. That's for frequent travelers. Not everybody does that. Right. That moving that to that, that, that's a really, you know, unless you have that specific business model where you know that the, the mobile is going to be the own primary point of engagement. That's what an app and you can show and convert customers to be loyal, frequent users of the app, right? You know, that becomes, it's, it's what I call in a, in some notes I've had. It's, it's a graphic we have that talks about kind of a, a continuum of kind of the website and the, the app. And then at the end, you have this notion of a connected marketing organization where mobile is the connector, right? We have this kind of this kind of, as I said, it's a single graphic and what the the vectors are kind of the, define that pathway through web to app to connected right or about frequency intensity of engagement
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know those start as you get more frequent more intense and intense doesn't mean you spend 20 minutes with it if you're in new york and you got an hour to get to a meeting in manhattan you're on one end of the island and you need to get to the other that's a very intense kind of transaction hence ride sharing who lift etc i may not You know, it may not be a long, but it's a very intense thing. I need this ride now. Right. And I may have four or five of those in a day I'm traveling around Manhattan. Right. Right. It's very frequent and it's very intense. An intense mobile thing can also be booking a plane flight. But unless you're a business traveler, you're not doing that every week or every month. Right. So there's a I hope that's making some sense. This continuum, I think, is. And so get that point of if we know that in our business. We can get to that kind of frequency and intensity of the application. That starts to be where we are moving more and more of our transactions there. Well, that starts to make a native app look pretty interesting. Also, it is probably the best vehicle to do what? Reward your loyal customer. Right. right. They are, by definition, if they're taking the time to download an app and then they use it, you have a loyal customer base like that a frequent users. That becomes a very, you know, I think an important trigger and green light for doing an application. Mike, do you have that diagram in one of your blog posts? Uh, no, I don't. But ping me after this and I can see about getting it to you. Great. Yeah, I'd love
0: to, to put that up on the show notes for everyone to go and check out. And so before we dive into rapid fire, uh, the rapid fire questions, what do you see is coming next? Because you're so close to the data, you're so close to the, to the behavior in these trends, you know, what are some, some of these interesting things that you're, you're excited about that are coming next?
1: Well, I think what's interesting would be, you know, it's a personal curiosity, I think, how voice interfaces work. You know, some people call them just by their names, Siri, you know, Alexa, etc. But the notion of these kind of virtual uh, private assistants or uh, VPAs is, I think, really interesting and exciting in that it starts to turn, you know, even, as cool as it is and simple as it is to send a text now, simply being able to, and think about how this affects search for our brands and products. There's both the positive and the potential negative. Being able to say, if they have a profile of me and I'm using an app, and I'm using one of these voice interfaces to simply say, Siri, book me a flight to JFK, you know my airline. Right Right now, what would we be saying? We'd say, Siri, you know, look for flights to JFK from San Francisco. Now, the last thing we want is having Siri read back to us all the options, right? But if we have a well-developed profile of the traveler, and I have that interface, and I'm starting to deal with, and I tune things to search, my search tools, and my how I navigate the app, you start to think about creating some extremely you know, streamlined and convenient experiences, right? If I have profile information and I know that a flyer goes from San Francisco to New York, they want JFK, not LaGuardia, (laughs) right? And they know that it's not this airline because they'll never fly this airline, but these others are fine. Then we start to get and we start to think about then how is that delivered information delivered back? Nobody wants to listen to a VPA. read all those back. Perhaps it's a push notification that says, hey, based on these, these look like the two flights, pick one. Right. Think about that for the application. when we think about an application. That to me gets very interesting and exciting. I think there's a whole, a, the, but I would say one of the things I'm dealing with is we're still there's a whole lot of people, and marketing organizations that I think are are doing some ba- good basic mobile stuff, but haven't really invested because they think about things like the cost of developing an app mm-hmm. and then supporting it. But I think they're seeing they're they're perhaps not I don't want to say blinding themselves, but not taking advantage of the potential opportunities that they can to do further engagement short of a native app a native app may be inevitable for a lot of companies I mean, it's going to be very powerful but there's still a lot of them still wrestle with the fact that that's you know a significant cost and it's not just as you know developing the app and designing it right it's marketing the app it's getting people to download it it's updating the app keeping it its etc there's a lot of, of moving parts behind that now the de- technology, the developer guys are getting really very good, you know, at refining their art. But at the same time, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening on the web. That, to me, is something that we don't a lot of people don't want to talk about now. But I think is some of the web authoring tools that are evolving, and you know, and we you know, and not our group, but another group in Gartner, some of the guys who will focus exclusively on mobile app development, will tell you that in a few years, it's going to be very hard to distinguish you know, between an app and a, and a web experience. Right. Right. And that to me is very exciting, but I think the reason it's more, more interesting is the opportunity to work with folks to kind of move beyond some of the basic stuff they're doing because the tools are getting better. And more importantly, you know, customers and prospects are expecting a much more streamlined and refined and personalized experience. All right. Well check out Gartner.com and Mike, my-
0: Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today. It was, it was awesome to, to dig in and to learn from one of the best, what it's like to uh, look under the hood about mobile and what's
1: taking place with the data. Hey, Jordan, it was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we can do one again in the future. Absolutely.
0: Now join us next week for a conversation with Christopher Rader, brand evangelist for IKEA, H&M, Brooks Brothers, Lexotica, Bloomingdale's David Yerman, Bjorn Borg, and Oakley, just to name a few. I have an insight-packed episode with Christopher you're not going to want to miss. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can, so visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly, or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.